0: Thank you for listening to the Movement Group podcast from Movement Church in Hilliard, Ohio. This podcast is intended to help encourage you as a group leader by hearing from other leaders who are right in the trenches with you. Each month, we will hear about the wins, struggles, and tensions each leader goes through while focusing on one leadership principle that leaders can grow in and apply. If you have any follow-up questions about what you hear today, email us at info at movementcolumbus.com. Hey, welcome to the Movement Group Podcast. This is Josh, and I'm just excited to be here again and and just talk in groups and and things that we can learn. And uh, last month, we had Joel Traynor with us, our church planning resident, talk about evangelism and the Master Plan of Evangelism book that we've been reading as group leaders. And and today, we're going to be talking about multiplication. And you don't have to be around Movement Church for very long to find out that we value multiplication and is just a part of everything that we do. And today... Uh, I have a very special guest who's going to be talking about his heart and both location and, and what it means for us as individuals, group leaders, and as a church. So, drum roll our special guest is Mark Trip, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello. The greatest looking redhead in Hilliard. I think so. I don't know
1: any other redheads in Hilliard, but I like to think that I look better than most of them, except for my wife. She's a hottie.
0: Yeah, that's you can't you can't argue with that. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mark, our trip is our, our lead pastor here at Movement, and he's also a group leader. And uh, you know, I, I like to think that we have history, I and mean, we we've gone back to. HSM, which is not what you think it is, not High School Musical. We weren't in that together, no, but we were a part of high school ministry at Grace Powell, and uh, we just had some fun times there. I was the intern for for worship ministry there with the youth group, and Mark was the youth pastor, and and, uh, Mark invited me to come with him to plant a church here in Hilliard, and so we've been together ever since. Yesterday was our 10-year Facebook friendversary by the way. I saw that which
1: I think is funny. Another uh, milestone that we share.
0: Did was there a video for that? I didn't even yeah, see. Yeah, I
1: watched it and it
0: was uh it was not really powerful. Kind of underwhelming. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Uh tell us about yourself. What is, you know, maybe one thing that we don't know about you that's crazy or you know, just something exciting that Oh yeah. man, am i throwing that on you well oh gosh I, I would say uh for for those
1: that don't know uh we we have four kids and and value our our family and our home so we we bought an old house on the edge of hilliard this year and and are in the middle of a flip and flop kind of situation redid the whole house gutted three bathrooms and changed a lot painted the house all new floors all new paint and so uh we're uh, we're building our uh, edge of suburbia hillbilly kingdom right now with a bunny, two cats, a dog, and soon to be some goats and chickens. So when I'm uh, when I'm not wearing the the lead pastor hat, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm at home caring a little too much about landscaping and uh, animals and
0: starting a petting zoo ministry.
1: Yes, yes. If you put ministry at the end of anything, it seems spiritual. So yeah, yeah. if anyone wants to uh, come and meet the the pygmy goats this summer. Give me a call. Do you have any names yet? Like, do you know what you're going to call the pygmy goats? I have been waiting my whole life to name an animal Toby because (laughs) of my unhealthy DC talk obsession growing up. Oh my goodness. uh, I thought that when we got a dog, I was going to name it Toby, and I was vetoed by the kids. Malachi named our dog Denver. So he has said, since the goat will be mine, that he's going to let me name the goat. So we'll see if it happens, but I'm... Hold on, that's oh, very generous of him. I know? think so. I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice. Since of him. you are paying for it, too. Yeah, you know? since yeah. he lives in my house and I pay for everything about his life and finance it. So we're going to have two, though. So, second name up for debate. If someone wants to buy the goat, I'll let you name it.
0: So, mm. how much are those? I think they're only like $60. So Wow, that's a pretty good deal. It's true. Awesome. So, um, another question that I've asked every group leader just because it's fun. Um, and something that we ask in our, in our hot seat questions in group is would you rather have no elbows or no knees and why? I
1: definitely would, would give up my knees. Uh, I just feel like the arms are too vital. I mean, we've all seen that Full House episode where Uncle Jesse broke both of his arms and couldn't eat cereal. And that's... That's true. That breaks your heart. But I, I think it does worry me what my waistline would start to look like if I couldn't work out and have knees. But I think... I don't you, think you could mow the lawn either. Well, you riding mower. You'd you just have you have to lock down and change your life. But I mean, all those things are <laughs> sad, but they do make mowers that you just control with your hands. But you think true. about you think about not having arms. Eventually, there's going to come a day where you and I are not going to lift weights or play basketball. We're just going to be sitting and watching. I've already seen that day where I don't play basketball. Well, that's true. Mm -hmm. You're terrible at basketball. Uh, but eventually you're going to be sitting in a chair and watching the prices. Right. And to think about not even having elbows. I mean, your quality of life would
0: just be, (laughs) it'd be tough. You know, you you give me great, uh, things to look forward to in my future. It's a long-term mindset. You know, think of all the cereal you can eat if you have elbows. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to eat your golden grams. Yeah, man. I love golden grams. So, uh, I, we could talk about this all day, but uh, moving things along, you know, you're a movement group leader. Why Why do you value being a movement group leader? What do you love about being a group leader?
1: I think for me, um, and I think sometimes in the position I'm in, being on staff or being the lead, it almost sounds really cliche, but uh, the groups that I've led in, in my adult life really are just the the local expression of, of church, you know, my personal expression mm. Um, you know, when, when I'm visiting people and babysitting people's kids and celebrating childbirth and, and, you know, whatever it's, it's in groups. And so, you know, the people that help me move and the people that I help move, it's, it's, it's always a group. I was early on as a a student pastor, I was at a church for, for nine months (laughs) and not in a group. And it was, uh. It was weird to say the least, because mm. you know you can you can be on staff at a place you can do a lot of things, but if you don't have people you're sharing life with and people to bounce things off of and people to even just have fun with it it'll it'll really change a church experience and so i uh early on didn't have a group didn't have a group experience and it it made me more of a believer than ever, so people probably think I'm a commercial for groups, but i I've, I've, I've lived life without them and it's, it's not a life that I, that I would want for myself or for anybody.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Community is so important when we think about groups and, and making sure we're a part of that. But so how's your group been going this year? What have been maybe a, like a big win and maybe a struggle you've been facing as a group leader?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my group is, is going, uh, it's going well. Uh, I think even specifically this, this semester, since the holidays, we've got some good momentum, some, numbers up and, and good things. I, uh, I had a pretty crazy fall. I mentioned that we already, we got that house and mm-hmm. I had to take a look in the mirror and kind of say like, you know um, what do I need to change as a group leader? We, we added some employees here at the church and just that and the house and job things and function. Um, my group leadership was, was kind of on, on cruise control and, you know, admittedly mm-hmm. on the back burner. And so um, even, even in having an honest conversation with our apprentices and just saying, Hey, what, what can I do that's better? What can I do uh, that, I, that I used to do in previous groups I've led? I think sometimes when you've done something uh, to create community or to foster relationships and discipleship in a group, you end up in a new group or a different group or a multiplied group. And, and sometimes without realizing it, you just assume like, oh, community will happen again. Yeah, my, my old group used to hang out and go to Clippers games or, or do this. And, and you just think this group will just magically know and like each other. And yeah. and then you realize like, no, there's a, there's a formula there and shared time together and, and serving and loving each other creates intimacy and, and you've got to start back at square one in some, in some good ways, you know? So That's our awesome. group's in a good spot, but, uh, we're, we're definitely working to, to get it, you know, in a, in a better spot.
0: That's good. I, I appreciate your, you know, being honest and real. I mean, I think, you know, There's a lot of great things about being a group leader, but there's also things that, you know, like we have to be aware of ourselves, you know, especially we've done it for so long, you know what I mean? Like you said, it's easy to get in cruise control, um, but to always just be um, taking that initiative to continue to grow and, and make those relational connections. Um, so as we move on to this month's topic, it's more of a question than it really is a statement, but, and it's a question that, you know, as we've led our, our movement groups at movement that we get a lot, you know, it's, and, it, and it's just this, why do you want my group to multiply? We've at you know, we've, we've been asked that multiple times and. And, and and we and we tell leaders going in, hey, we want your group to to grow in a way that it multiplies. And 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 I love how we do movement groups and 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 the intentionality behind them. And I've led a group from the beginning of movement, and every year I've had to be a part of a group that multiplies. And and I know that there's tension because you want to build deeper relationships, but yet at the same time you want to help grow the church and. And so there's tensions and there's struggles and lies um, that leaders and in, in groups have, um, like it's only been a year and my group has to multiply. Aren't we supposed to grow deeper in groups? You know, they have that tension of like, yeah, this is our, our next step in growing relationally. But yet, because our group grew, grew so fast, you know, we, we have to multiply. And, you know, there's another, you know, another one is, are we just wanting to have as many groups as we can? You know, Mm -hmm. um, or I feel like I can't truly disciple someone if I'm multiplying my group because I'm trying to invest time in them. And now we're, you know, I have a different group or, you know, I already have so many relational connectors that I don't have any more room to invite someone in my life. You know, like, are any of those relate with you or like, what do you have thoughts on some of those struggles and lies?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think those are are very, (coughs) very valid struggles and and things I, I think that uh, anytime something uh, is attached to an organization or institutionalized uh, there's there's a danger that it becomes unemotional or it becomes uh, just something that's that's canned and I think those are those are real questions that that real people and real leaders with real feelings would ask and, and things that I've thought through myself um, and so sometimes, you know, corporately, which sounds almost too big for where movement's at now, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll use the word anyway. Uh, corporately, you know, when we say like we value multiplication, it, it it can honestly come across like, oh, so you don't value individuals and you don't value people. And mm-hmm. and we don't mean to say those things, but we, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll say this. I have some, some healthy principles that I, I think we have tried to build movement church on and things that we want to live by and one of those is multiplication and so it, it's not it's not to say that people aren't supposed to grow deeper, uh, but we believe that growing deeper can happen and does happen and, and must happen through multiplication. And it's not to say uh that that we don't, you know, that that we want to uh just keep multiplying and multiplying and, and we're just we're just about numbers or groups. But yeah. again, we, we think that's a, a healthy uh tension, you know, and so Um, It's not that we want to stop discipleship or relationship or uh, we want people to ruin or lose connection. But uh, I think there there's a tension there between, um, you know, someone pushing themselves and taking steps toward God and expanding their leadership and expanding their dependency on him. And then also. Uh, unfortunately I think many of us have been in churches that that feel stagnant or group structures that feel stagnant and so that's the opposite end of the spectrum and so Mm -hmm. yeah I think there is a a happy medium and so we've just tried to to create a culture that that hopefully never feels stagnant or is letting people not continuously take steps back to God you know even even as leaders even as as people that are directing groups
0: that's all good stuff so Let's so let's kind of strip all this down. And you know, when we we started back as a as a launch team, we had um, I can't even remember. Do we have one group or two groups? We had two, we had two, we had two groups. Two, so so when we only had like twenty people, we still had two groups in the beginning. And and but and and even back then, we talked about hey, our goal is to multiply these even before we launch. You know, mm-hmm. in the in the following spring, and we're like, wow, we're we're still kind of you know trying to get to know each other as a new launch team and you're wanting us to multiply and, and so um, let's just start from the beginning why since the beginning of the movement why do we multiply groups you know what is our goal behind that and so I just you know as our leader you know what what is your heart behind that
1: Yeah well I, I think you know there's a couple of quick sentences that I, I hope we all agree with uh, I believe that healthy things grow and mm-hmm. so uh, if if you're going to have a group, that is sharing life fostering community studying the bible being there for each other you're going to see people added to that number we've seen that you know in the book of acts we, we recently studied that on sundays and and so if something is healthy and something is dependent on the holy spirit it's going to grow uh and, and not just that but for something to be healthy uh it, it has to multiply you know that growth is not just going to be an accident but uh, i believe that the gospel multiplies on every level. And so the gospel multiplies when I share my faith with my neighbor, the gospel multiplies when I uh, help apprentice someone and raise them up as a leader in a mm. group or outside of group. And the gospel multiplies, you know, on a macro level at, as, as, a church, which is why we're getting ready to send three Creeks church. And so uh, the gospel is, is a seed. The gospel is something that, that is watered and something that, you know, as the kingdom of God expands, it's going to, it's going to multiply. And so we multiply groups because I think the as we as we foster a healthy gospel environment it there's there's no other option you mm-hmm. know um, you're going to see people added to your church, you're going to see people that need discipled, you're going to see people that need to develop leaders and you're going to see churches multiplied and so uh, we we multiply groups because it's a it's a microcosm kind of a discipleship strategy of how do we how do we see that individual multiplication and how do we, you know, systematically disciple those people and, and make sure that we're, we're, uh, we're helping people grow and, and take steps toward God.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. Like, I I honestly would say, like, I don't know. I mean, we have 14 groups right now. I don't think we would be where we are as a church as a whole, if we didn't, if we weren't multiplying those groups, cause we wouldn't have places to put people and to have that community as our church continues to grow our groups help to remain our community, help keep our community smaller so that I can have that want to be known and known and all those things. Like, um, like I just, I don't know. I don't think we would be where we are today without those groups. Yeah. You know, and as
1: we we're saying kind of some baseline things, healthy things grow and healthy things multiply uh, you know, it's also pretty obvious uh, for the most part as a general rule, people don't join established groups. And so it sounds good to say, well, let's keep the groups we got and just keep inviting people in. But even if your group is as welcoming as possible, there's there's a time where you're it's still a, a, an established group and someone's coming into that. And so the greatest times that we've seen the numbers go up of people who are in groups, people who are active in groups and participating in groups, is when we've started new ones. Because if you say to someone, hey, we've had this group that's been meeting eight weeks, do you want to come to it? even if you say, we'll give you a hundred dollars when you show up, they're still the new person. And yeah. so if you can say, Hey, we're starting a new group tonight, this week, next week, everyone's on the same page. No one's ever been to this group and we're yeah. all going to form a group and, and journey together. Uh, that is, you know, that, that's not just our church. That's not just our experience churches across the the world and the country. That's when you see new people join groups is, yeah. is when those groups are new. And so uh, for, for us as, as we've grown as a church and thought, Hey, if Sunday mornings are, are bigger, we need to have more groups and more people in groups now. As we've, as we've looked at that, uh, starting groups has, and, and multiplying groups so that there are new options and new groups being birthed has always been the best possible way to bring people into that, that process.
0: That's awesome. So uh, you kind of already alluded to it a little bit, but let, let me flip the question. What would happen? Um, what do you think movement would look like, or what would happen if we didn't multiply groups? Like if that wasn't a goal?
1: I think eventually we would, we would hit a ceiling, you know, that there, there's some philosophical opinion. You know, some people think a group should be 10. Some people you'll hear people call, um, you know, groups, missional communities, and they'll say, Oh, we think there could be 30 or 40, but Mm -hmm. regardless of, of that size, everyone would agree that in most American houses from two bedroom to five bedroom, eventually you're going to run out of room in a house. And so if, if we started with two groups or five groups, let's say eventually, you know, if we had five groups with 30 people, that seems pretty crazy to me to think about having 30 people plus 30 adults plus their kids in my house. But let's say, my man, house, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I, I'm
0: stressed out <laughs> already. Just thinking about that. <laughs> let's pretend
1: that my house could handle that. If we had, if we, those five groups that we had the day we launched, if they all had 30 people and were maxed out, those groups could hold 150 people. Well, we, we presently have around 150 people in groups and are able to expand that model because of multiplication and, you know, and because most houses don't hold 30 people or shouldn't have to hold 30 people. There was a, there was a season in in my group where with childcare, we had, we had 16 kids and uh, we we wanted to cry every week as we'd clean the house up and and those people would leave. And so I think just practically there's a side, if you're going to meet in homes and share life. My home doesn't hold sixteen kids, and it doesn 't hold thirty adults. I mean putting forty six yeah. people in a house is is doable in some scenarios, and I don't mean to mock that philosophy, but I think uh what what this has allowed us is there's no limit on the amount of people that our group structure can disciple yeah we there might be a time that we would have to hire more pastors and more administration or change some some systems. but tomorrow, if God brought us a million people, we might need you know. Two hundred fifty thousand houses but but that structure is expandable and and can grow and can scale and that's that's comforting to know that you know we don't have to build more classrooms or or do some of those things as and so as as we multiply we can we can multiply our impact
0: Um, yeah that's that's good so you know you know we probably champion it the most because we're on staff and like we we've been around it and whatever but like you're still a group leader and you're still human um in and even though you champ you might champion something there still might seem might be some struggles that you personally face as a leader when multiplying a group or you know is are, are there any things that you could bring to light in that oh yeah i mean i think i think when you multiply a group
1: right before that multiplication you get to a very sweet spot and yeah. and my group honestly in some ways is starting to approach that where my my apprentice is is just really good mm-hmm. and and so you know, we've, we've all been there where you, you, you know, you're, you know, your apprentice and they know you and they know when to talk and you know when to talk and you know, their strengths, you know, one of you might be more the leader. One of you might be more the the meeting person with someone during the week. And so you're great at leading discussion and they're the person that grabs coffee with everyone or or whatever. You're the, you're the fun games question person and they're the, the prayer person. And so eventually as a group, you know, discovers each other's gifts, you get into a very sweet spot and that's when that group usually grows, and that's when you see people added to your number. And so, when that ends or or multiplies, you know, you you go through that moment where you just think like, man, me and me and so and so, we used to be a hand in a glove, or we were we yeah. were Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and we were great, <laughs> and you know, and and now you're. It's not that your your new apprentice, usually a person you've invited or asked, is not is not just as capable, but they have to grow into that position, and you have to learn how to apprentice them and raise them up again, you know? And so yeah. I think that's been one of my real struggles is, uh, you know, right, right at the point of group multiplies is when it's, it's so good. It's almost too good to be true. You know, you could, you mm-hmm. could stay in that phase and you could, you could keep a good thing only to yourself or you could say, no, let's take this DNA and yeah, we might have to break it in half, but we trust that it will grow again. You know, just like a, a plant can be chopped in half and multiplied, Um, you know, you, you say, um, we, we want to see more people know this and experience this. And there is that season where you think, well, now we have half of what we used to have, or now things are smaller and not as good or not as comfortable or not as Mm -hmm. natural. And so I've, I've, I've definitely experienced that. And that can be, you know, that can be bittersweet. And I think I'd, I'd be a liar to pretend that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah. So man that that's all real stuff i I think about my group when I mean, we had a, an awesome group we still do um but like there was a point last year where we had to multiply like we were just getting too big and we had communion at our at our apartment and our apartment's not too small but we had like twenty one people for our in our apartment and afterwards I'm like what just happened you yeah. know like it was yeah. just getting too big and and our apprentice was awesome and he was ready to be sent out and start his own group but there was still like growing pains and but I think sometimes when we think of multiplication we think of division like because a group multiplies we have to come we have to draw a line down the middle of a group and and split it out and and I don't think that that necessarily is reality. I think you know multiplication could look like a like many different things like maybe it's just the apprentice going and starting their own group and the and your group remains or maybe it's like in a, a talked about thing where like you're sending these four people and these six people are staying or, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. yeah I there's think many, op- many opportunities to do that. Yeah.
1: I think sometimes, you know, multiplication can be something maybe regional. Uh, you know, basically we, we have groups that exist in a couple suburbs. And so half, if half of your group lives in Grandview and half of your group lives in Hilliard, I think that might, might be a, yeah. a good multiplication point. But yeah, I've, I've, I've even wondered about specific people and their gifting. Honestly, m- myself, I, I have the gifting of, of gathering. And so I've wondered that is there a time that that really I could just remove myself from a group and let that group continue to grow and exist. Yeah. But but should Kristen and I, just because of our position and, and kind of our gifting, should we be continually gathering and, and seeing groups birthed and, and consider that um success. You know, I think sometimes yeah you look people look at their gifting and and we we think like oh God didn't give me that gift on purpose. He messed up as a creator. And it's like no if God made you a gatherer then maybe you're someone that starts groups and starts groups and starts groups. And and yeah, sometimes, sometimes you split a group right down the middle 50, 50, but I think it could yeah. have a, a ton of different uh, applications or, or directions based on gifting and personality and even geography.
0: Yeah, that's good. So we've been talking multiplication on more of a micro, smaller level, even though there's multiple groups, but you know, why do we value multiplication on like a macro level and, and, and everything that we do at Movement Church? Like, how does it look like in other areas of our church? And even you, you mentioned Three Creeks. And, yeah. And why is that important?
1: Well, I think, you know, simply put, again, I believe that the gospel multiplies itself and the gospel mm-hmm. exists in an individual, and in a group, but also in a church. And so I think the the gospel on a, on a macro church level has to multiply itself. And I think that's a pattern that we see Yeah. in the book of Acts, you know, uh, Simply, simply put, that church sent people out, and and sent out leaders, and and new churches were birthed as they were intentional and planted seeds of the gospel, and and watered those, and discipled people, and so, uh, we we believe in that because it matters for eternity, uh, you know. If if we believe that that we uh, have a good thing that's building the kingdom of God in Hilliard, that's good, but there are many many people. In, in Columbus and in Ohio and in the United States that uh, that are not gonna like where they end up for eternity yeah. and and that that matters to God and that should matter to us and so we want to multiply churches because we want to make a dent in in eternity and we want to we want to see people's eternity changed because of of having an opportunity to hear the gospel and be a part of new churches and and it's it's been proven that that there's no better way for people to come. Uh, to know God to hear the gospel then through church planning, uh, I think I think some of that is just because of the vacuum it creates or the urgency. Uh, mm. sometimes sometimes as humans we can get comfortable and so this could apply to churches or could apply to groups, but sometimes we sit back on our laurels or we you know if, if we don't have to share our faith, we don't share our faith. Uh, and so when we create uh, urgent systems or situations where hey, you're on a launch team now with 20 people and there won't be a church here unless you share your faith, it can kind of provide that, that wake up call. You know, I think some people look back on their life in a phase of life where they were working a job and a part-time job and raising their first kid, you know, and they get older and more comfortable and they think, how did I do that in that phase of life? I've talked to people that slept four hours a day for 10 years because they didn't have a choice. And uh, the reality is how did you do it? Because you had to, you know, you Mm -hmm. look back on life and you didn't have a choice. And so uh, if, if we're kind of, keeping ourselves accountable and creating systems that require us to multiply, require us to stay uh, focused on apprenticing people and discipleship and, and staying focused on, on evangelism through church planning, through multiplying groups. I think that's a, it's a good place to be because it, it makes sure that we're doing what we should be doing all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we multiply and apprentice, you know, volunteers, group leaders, and, and now we're, we're doing it on, on the church level. And I think because, We've, you know, we've communicated that and done that so consistently on the smaller level. Like, yes, there's still growing pains and, oh, man, my friend's being sent to Gahanna or whatever. Um, It's still kind of seems to be like a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, we do this on the small micro level. And here we are doing it on a much bigger level and actually sending a team and multiplying our church somewhere else. Um, I just love that. Um, But taking it back to um, just the individual and the leader. And, um, what, you know, like we, we say that discipleship happens in groups, but what, what does that look like? How can you maintain discipling somebody or should you, or what does that look like if your group is multiplying and and the person that you've been discipling for the last six months to a year is now going to another group? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you handle that tension? Yeah. I mean, I I think there's (coughs) just some
1: practical breakdown of a group's model Um, this isn't every group, everyone in every group isn't married, but I'll, I'll tell you what my group looks like. Uh, Kristen and my wife and I are, are, you know, leaders of that group. And we have uh, apprentices, Tom and Kathy Carr. And so for our group, we kind of have four people in leadership. And so Mm -hmm. if my group has 12 people in it, uh You know twelve divided by four is three, and so the way I look at it, and it's not a perfect breakdown, but I kind of feel like it's everyone in that leadership level's job to yeah. really impact and disciple three people. you yeah. know my job is not to know everyone in my group's deepest, darkest secret, yeah, or to to take them out to coffee every week my My job is to stay up with three people and 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 stay up with the leaders that they're staying up with with their three people, and yeah. so as as things multiply uh you know there there could be someone that moves on i i think if and when our group multiplies uh hopefully it would it, there there might be some natural uh breaking up of people where if someone has been more discipled and and followed and lived life with the cars it might make sense for them to go with the cars and if someone has been with the art trips it might make sense for them to go with the art trips now there still might be a case where someone that's connected more with me is asked to apprentice under the cars or something. And so I I think, uh, it's, it's, it's just a a myth to think that discipleship ends with a group multiplying. And the reality is a group is two hours a week, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if you think about that, you know, you can still text all the time, your friends, you can still grab coffee. You can still do play dates. You can still serve together at church and, and you can still track with people. And so, um, I think I think what we that just group. need to realize is that the discipleship looks different, and so for instance if 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 someone's really tracking with me and we're seeing them take steps and we're seeing them grow in their faith uh you know hopefully as that group multiplies, there would be an opportunity for them to be an apprentice under me and that's awesome and yeah. so eventually that group may multiply, and I may not be in a group with them because if they're an apprentice, they will then lead another group. But I think what you also have to know is that that is that's not just them being torn out of your clutches. That that is actually you know as we talk about apprenticeship, that's that's the sending out process, and that's a, a good graduation step of of apprenticing and and discipleship. When you're saying to someone, we're still gonna have a relationship, mm-hmm. but but you're not you know if you you think about it like from infant to child to teenager to adult. Um, I call my mom once a week, but I'm not calling her saying send money, please help. It's, it's more of a relational check-in. It's a love, it's a prayer thing. And so when, when you eventually send someone out and graduate them and multiply them, there's a, there's a different, uh, there's a different angle and a different uh, atmosphere in your relationship at that point.
0: Yeah. And I love that, you know, like one of the, you know, to give another example, one of the, um, apprentices that I had when he went to go lead another group, like we still check in. You know, like, how are you doing? How's your group doing? You know, like, or just not even have anything to do with groups. We just see how we're doing in life. You know, like, what are you, what are you been learning or what are you struggling with? How can I pray for you? And I love what you you said that it's like, they graduated, like, they don't need to talk to you every single day, but there's still that relational connection, check in on each other. I mean, that's, that's really good and really helps just ease like, oh man, I've been working really hard. Now that person's gone and, you know. Um, that's, that's, that's a good reminder. So as we come to a close, you know, I don't, we could probably talk about this all day. Um, but is there, is there one thing maybe that you want to leave with our listeners who lead a group? Like, what, what would that look like?
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, and this, this, will, this will probably go out, uh, after my message this weekend, but I've, I've been really studying specifically, uh, this weekend. Our, our big idea is going to be this, that self-reliance is self-destructive, and I don't I don't want to attack uh, people who are sensitive toward multiplication. and there are times that people can feel burnt by that. and so I don't mean to be uh, insensitive. But I think sometimes it's important to look in the mirror and say, do I not want to multiply because of my comfort level mm. or because of the sweet spot I'm in, or because I know these people and they know me? And oftentimes, uh, when we when we're in a spot like that, I think, I think there's some comfort, and I don't mean to say that all comfort is bad, but but some comfort need, leads to complacency, and 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 self reliance. And so, what I what I do know about multiplication is, no matter who you are, no matter how seasoned you are, whether it's sharing your faith, multiplying a group, or multiplying a church, it is it is uncomfortable, and it shakes things up. Mm. And and when you're shaken up, when you're disturbed. Uh, you cannot rely on yourself because you're in new territory, and uncharted territory you don't know. And that pushes you to rely on God and to depend on God and to look to God. And in those seasons with that equation, you grow. When you're looking to God and depending on God, you're in the place that you should be and you're growing. And so that's that's what I've appreciated about mm-hmm. multiplication and appreciated about some of the things that have taken place. Uh, it's It's not always a perfect process and there can be you know some some messiness some stickiness to it whatever but yeah. multiplication pushes us to rely on god and uh if if i could you know just as you kind of think of the the definition stereotype of those words if i could if i could ask to to lead a church of people that are comfortable or people that are relying on god relying on self or relying on god i would pick relying on god every time yeah. and that that that's
0: that's not always easy but no. i think that's that's the place we want to be yeah that's awesome well thank you, Mark. Um I think this is all this is all good stuff and things that we can be thinking through and, and praying through and just be it's just a good reminder and, and if you're listening to this and you're like, Well, I have this question or like, you know, this made me think of that or or whatever, you know, we wanna hear your thoughts. We wanna hear, you know, what's on your mind or, or maybe there's something that we didn't touch on that you just wanna know more about. Um you know, feel free to email me at joshhoward at movementcolumbus.com um, we'd love to talk to you more Like this this podcast is for you and if there's even something that you want us to talk about on one of these months um, and to talk more about you know, let us know so um, we, we just appreciate you guys listening and, and we look forward to talking with you guys next month